My brothers and sisters, as I said in the beginning of Mass, what I'd like to speak about today is the importance of never losing hope for our loved ones or anybody in our life who, by all appearances, have seemed to stray away from church, stray away from God. You might have someone as close as our own child, for example, who maybe they were confirmed and you haven't seen them darken the door of a church in 30 years or something like that. Maybe you, you were praying for them for a while, but kind of give up after a while. And you just kind of become resigned to the fact that, yeah, uh, I guess they've completely lost interest in religion, and I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know the fate of their soul. And you just kind of give up hope. They might even be anti-religious. They might even, you know, mock religion or mock the church, be professed agnostics even. My brothers and sisters, we can never give up hope. God pursues each of us right until the very end of our lives. And we need to be tenacious in prayer. We have a good example of that in today's gospel. This Canaanite woman, despite the indifference of Jesus, continues to pursue him in her prayer, beseeching him. She's not going to give up. She's not going to be discouraged. And she's got reason to be discouraged. Jesus' response is kind of shocking. This gospel really makes us pause. In particular, something kind of uh, puzzling can be found in Jesus' statement where he says, because she's not Jewish, he basically says, I've been sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Seems like Jesus, Jesus is claiming, I only care about Jewish people. I'm going to be ministering to Jewish people and the Gentiles, I don't care about them. Non-Jews, I don't care about them. Doesn't seem like that. Seems like that's what he's saying. And it's all the more puzzling in that we're hearing texts from the Old Testament that saying God's salvation is for all the nations. Our first passage from Isaiah says, My house, my temple, will be a prayer for all peoples. And in our psalm, we're talking about how the knowledge of God and his salvation is going to extend through the whole world and be for all the nations. And yet Jesus comes up and he says, well, I'm only interested in ministering to Jewish people. What's going on? should make us pause and ask some questions. And I believe the solution to this question can be found in simply making a distinction between two phases of Jesus' ministry. You see, Jesus had an earthly ministry, and then he had a heavenly ministry. On his earthly ministry, he was sent primarily to the Jewish people. And something very ironic took place. As a whole, not all of them, but as a whole, they rejected him. And their rejection led to the very thing that set in motion the second phase of his ministry to the whole world. They crucified him, and that was part of God's plan, so that atonement would be made for the sins of all mankind. Christ, victorious over sin and death, rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, 
ascended to the right hand of the Father, and from there, from heaven, he now inaugurated his ministry to the whole world, to all the nations, through the apostles, sending them out, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he continues that heavenly ministry to this day through us, through the church, spread throughout the whole world. And this is what St. Paul is dealing with in our second reading. We go back to that text and we read it very closely. Paul is dealing with this mystery. And he says that the, the rejection of the Jewish people has now led to the salvation of all the Gentiles. But then a question should be asked. Okay, well, so then, okay, there's a whole flip-flop that just took place here. We thought that Jesus was only interested in Jews. Now it seems like he's only interested in Gentiles, okay, in his heavenly ministry. Has Jesus rejected the Jewish people? St. Paul says, no, he has not rejected the Jewish people. If their rejection was the salvation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And in our Catholic tradition of interpreting that passage, that very important passage in the epistle to the Romans, what we come to see and understand is that just before the second coming of Jesus Christ, right at the end of the history of the world, the Jewish people as a whole will be given the grace of conversion. And that's something that is a perennial teaching of our Catholic faith. God pursues the Jewish people right to the very end of human history because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now someone might say, well, okay, Ooh, I didn't really know that that was part of our religion. I, 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 I guess that's in, interesting. What relevance does that have for us here and now, seeing as the end of the world is probably some time off, away from us? My brothers and sisters, it's very relevant, because just as... God does not give up on the Jewish people, but pursues them right to the very end of human history. So also, for all of those who have been baptized into the mystical body of Christ, God does not give up on them, but pursues them right to the very end of their personal histories, because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So I got a little story about that. Probably a lot of us know famous Saint John Vianney. Very important saint that after the French Revolution, when the faith was completely decimated in France in the early 19th century, he, along with many other great saints, led a massive revival of the faith in France. And when Saint John came to his little parish of ours, no one went to church. No one went to church. And by the time he died, tens of thousands of people a year would make a pilgrimage to ours just to see him. And he's one of these guys, kind of like in our own day, St. Padre Pio. If you study St. Padre Pio, there's so many miracle stories that surround him. So also with St. John Vianney, so many miracle stories. And in particular, he had the gift of reading souls. 
And he was known as a confessor. So if you went to confess to him, he could tell you sins that you had committed that you had forgotten about. And he knew them by divine revelation and would speak them to you. And he, he, he caused the conversion. He led to the conversion of, of innumerable numbers of souls. Well, here's the story. So there's an abbot of, and this is, this comes, it's a true story from an abbot in France at that time. He's an abbot of a monastery, leader of a monastery, and he decides to take a trip to ours. So he gets on a stagecoach, and he takes a trip there. And uh, these stagecoaches at that time, you know, buggies drawn by horses, they were like a primitive form of buses, so they had different stops. And then you'd get off, and you'd get on another stagecoach, and you'd go where you'd want to go in France. And so here they are, they're in the stagecoach, and everybody's talking about the things that are happening in ours surrounding St. John Vianney. Oh, I've got a brother that went there. My cousin went there. Or I saw it with my own eyes. I was there and this happened, so forth and so on. And the abbot begins to notice there's a woman that's there in the stagecoach. And she's very, by all appearances, distraught, kind of downtrodden, somber, looking, sad, very sad. And she's listening, though, to all the stories about ours that are taking place. And she realizes that the abbot is headed there. And so she asks him, can I accompany you? You show me the way. So he says, yes. So they get off that stagecoach. They get on another one. They make their way to ours together. St. John Vianney is coming out of his catechism class and he's going to get into the confessional. The confessional is mobbed by people. Absolutely mobbed by people. And the woman and the abbot are just two people in a sea of people. They don't stick out at all. St. John Vianney is walking to his confessional, walks by them, stops, turns right to the woman, and he says to her, I tell you, he is saved. I tell you, he is saved. Between the bridge and the water, he had an opportunity and the grace of God to make an act of contrition. He is in purgatory. You must pray for him. Remember the shrine to Mary that you made that one month of May and he mocked you when you prayed he secretly prayed as well and it's because of his prayers that God gave him the grace of conversion the second before he died the woman is completely astounded she never even attempted to go to confession. She just went into the pews and she just sat there and she prayed for hours. And when the day was done and she and the abbot got back on the stagecoach, the abbot didn't know what was going on and asked her to fill in the, the blanks. She said, my husband was a great hater. He was a baptized Catholic, but he was a great hater of religion. And my one purpose in life was to see him have a change of hearts, to see him be converted. But he took his own life. He jumped off a bridge, and he jumped to his own death. And I thought he was completely lost. And I despaired of ever seeing him again. But Monsignor Labbe, oh, how my heart is now alive with hope because of what John the Curie of ours has said to me. 
my brothers and sisters, if God can pursue to the end of the history of the world, the Jewish people, if he can pursue to the history, to the end of that man's personal history, that man drawing him to conversion at the very moment before he died, how could we ever give up hope? How could we ever stop to pray, stop praying for those in our lives who have strayed away? How could we ever give up hope for ourselves and our own sins and our own conversion? God does not give up on us. He doesn't give up on anybody. Take heart, be encouraged, and never stop praying because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable.